0: Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Welcome back to our Easter series that we started last week. The words of Jesus give up, pick up, and follow. Essentially, it's a threefold invitation to follow Jesus. So last week, we looked at and discussed the first invitation of Jesus' call to give up. Our own way to become a disciple a student a learner a follower of Jesus because the truth is we are all disciples of something or someone we all worship something or someone but we might not be aware of it we might not quite even recognize who that something or someone even is so It's a bit of a wake up call to us. It's a call to become conscious of who or what you're choosing to follow, who or what you're choosing to worship. And I think nowadays with just having so much information in our pockets and at our fingertips, it's that much easier to mindlessly just go along with the flow and not even recognize the environment that we are immersed in. So Jesus is inviting you to choose him. He's saying, wake up to what you're following and think twice about it. Choose me because the truth is choosing Jesus, choosing him means to choose life, both here and now and forevermore, eternally. Choosing Jesus means choosing love, choosing joy, choosing hope, choosing satisfaction. You see, Jesus offers us life and life to the full. But it requires that you choose to give up your own way in order to discover his way, in order to discover this life that's waiting for us. You see we're all longing for satisfaction. We're all longing for things to be better, for things to be made right, right? Like there's kind of this sense of things aren't quite as they should be in this world. We're we're seeking justice. And Jesus says this life that we're searching for is found in him. But more often than not we say, well, okay, that's kind of nice, Jesus, but in, no, no, I, I think I'm going to go and try finding it over here. And because of that, as people began following Jesus around and merely just following him, not as learners or students or disciples of Jesus, they began kind of wanting to see what he would say next or what he would do next. And Jesus decides that, okay, it's time to separate the crowd. It's time to separate those who are simply fans of me from those who are genuinely followers of me. And he does this by saying, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, pick up your cross, and follow me. So tonight, I want us to dig in to that second invitation, what it means to pick up your cross. The other day when I was beginning to study for this message, I decided to ask my kids what they thought it meant. Because who doesn't think it's cute to hear how the the kids kind of see the world and interpret things? But when I asked them, I quickly explained, like, okay, Jesus tells us to give up our own way and pick up our cross and follow him. What what do you think Jesus means? They both just kind of stood there and stared at me with these blank looks on their face, like, I, I don't know, is this a trick question? Like, what, and what struck me is that the crowd that had been following Jesus including his disciples, they must have felt a little like this as well. Like just blank looks, right? Because you see, we have the benefit of being on this side of history, post-crucifixion. So if you're at least aware of who Jesus is and how Jesus died, which he died on a cross, you know that he's calling you to sacrifice When you hear the words, pick up your cross. You might even envision Jesus carrying the cross to to Calvary or the place of the skull. But what would the first hearers of this message have heard? Because you see, we have the benefit of looking back so, so we can kind of envision what happens. But there on the front side of things, Jesus hasn't died yet. They don't even know Jesus is going to die. And little do they know that he's going to be crucified on a cross. What they do know is that a cross is an execution stake. It's an instrument of violent and painful execution. In the first century, the Roman Empire used crosses to execute criminals, which It's kind of a little odd that we wear it as jewelry nowadays. Like, of course, no judgment. (laughs) We are living post-crucifixion, so we know what the cross represents and what it symbolizes. But I don't think wearing a cross as part of your jewelry would have even entered their minds back then. Because it was for torture. And why would you want to wear a torture device around your neck? You see, from their vantage point, when Jesus said, pick up your cross, they're thinking, okay, pick up your execution stake. Furthermore, they've been raised to believe that Messiahs don't get killed. So what did they hear when they heard the call to pick up your cross? Well, first, I believe they heard, you must pick up, your cross. It seems pretty simple, but Bible scholar Craig Keener writes, to take the cross was to carry the horizontal beam of the cross out to the site of execution, generally past a jeering mob. In rhetorically strong terms, Jesus describes what all true disciples must be ready for. If they follow him, they must be ready to face literal scorn and death for they must follow to the cross. But here's what's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, pick up my cross. He instructs us to take up our own cross. In fact, the term cross is used twice in reference to a disciple's fate before it's ever made explicit that this is how Jesus would die. Jesus is making it clear that there is a cost to following him. It's not just a matter of accepting his pain and sacrifice for us, though he did suffer for us. By his wounds, we are healed. But remember, he's telling people to do this before his own death, before his death on the cross. So when Jesus put the image of the cross in front of his disciples, he was saying, this must be the shape of your life. If you want to follow me, this must define your life. Embrace the death of your own way, put to death your own desires, and put me in my proper place as the true king of the world. If you're trying to build a life for yourself and accumulate wealth and success and comfort in the present world, you're missing out on the deeper life that Jesus offers. And that's, in fact, only found in Jesus. But you see, once you count yourself as already dead, your reputation, your home square footage, your salary, your job title, whatever, will matter far less, because it's already dead to you. And you can experience this new life that Jesus Offers Now, those things aren't in and of themselves wrong, but Jesus is saying, don't put them first, put me first. Die to those things and find life in me. See, our discipleship is about following Jesus as the true king of the world, while at the same time picking up our own cross. Putting to death, everything else that we're tempted to put before Jesus. We're to view our lives, our desires, our agendas, our beliefs, all all of it, just dead and gone, so that we can step in to this deeper life. And Jesus tells us that as we do, as we give up our lives for his sake and for the sake of the good news, we will, in fact, find it and save it that will experience a deeper and richer life in Christ. As Paul writes to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the second thing that the people who were following Jesus, this first audience would have heard in this call to pick up your cross, is that becoming a follower of Jesus is not safe. Okay, we don't fully understand that nowadays because we have protections and securities around us and religious freedoms, but Jesus is making a bold claim and they're hearing that to follow Jesus is not a safe option. Let's face it, this isn't the most appealing way to attract followers, right? Like Jesus isn't setting this low, comfortable bar saying, hey, you want a life of ease and comfort? Come, Join me. I'll make it easy. Not at all. Jesus was front-loading the call of discipleship. He's saying, I want you to know full well, with eyes wide open, what you're getting into when you choose to become my disciple. Because it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be the safe option. There's a saying that I've heard throughout my years in ministry that says, what you win people with is what you win them to. In other words, if I convince you to become a part of the well through pizza parties, let's say, then I have to keep up the pizza parties because once they stop, then you'll be gone too. Or like when I accepted Jesus for a second time at summer camp, because if you wanted to accept Jesus, the cabin leader would let you stay up extra late in order to pray with him that night. So, yeah, of course, sign me up. Poor guy didn't know that I had already accepted Jesus at a younger age. But see, that's just how we're, we're wired. And Jesus knows this about us. That if people are drawn to him because it's easy, well, they'll just remain exactly where they are. Kind of as spectators and fans of what he's doing, but not real followers of him. So rather than doing the whole bait and switch with his call to discipleship, Jesus just comes right out of the gate and says, this life isn't marked by the here and now victory, but by obedience. Obedience in the face of trial, obedience in the face of suffering, obedience even in the face of death. Following Jesus is marked by the cross. In other words, Jesus wants commitment. It's not an invitation to simply, hey, pray the prayer or think of me as a good teacher or send best wishes. No, he's saying, I don't want you to merely sit on the shore of this river of life and just dip your toes in and kind of just sit back in the gentle breeze. Ah, this is nice. Jesus, you do your thing. I'll just chill over here. No, Jesus is saying, I want you to jump in this river with both feet. I want your commitment. It's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a dangerous ride. You might even die for me. But when you jump in this river of life, you will experience life and life to the full, both now and forevermore. It's the only thing that will truly satisfy your soul. And this whole picture of jumping in with both feet reminds me of a story coming from Joshua chapter 3. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give them this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. A few verses later, it says, It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. What's fascinating is that God told them the water would not stop until they took a few steps into the river, until they got both feet wet. And we're also told that it's harvest season and that the river was overflowing. That doesn't sound very safe, does it? When I was growing up, uh, my, my parents, they have a cottage up north and there, close to it is, is a waterfall, or maybe you can call it a steep slide. It's rocky, it would hurt if you went over, but at the top of the falls, there was this suitable area for swimming. It was kind of this nice winding river, and go into a little chute and then open to a pool just before you went over the edge. There wasn't much risk, there was even a little rock wall that you could stop if you got too close to the edge. But in the springtime, when all the snow was melting, that river was roaring. That river was just gushing. And my brother and I, we would get our wetsuits on, we'd bring our life jackets, and then we would take a ski rope from my dad's boat and we'd tie it around our life jackets through the the hooks. And then we'd tie it around a tree on shore and we'd measure it out to the edge of the falls just to make sure that we weren't gonna get pulled over. And then, (laughs) <laughs> for some reason we chucked ourselves into the rapids and we'd hold our breath as it pulled us under and shot us from side to side and out and just as we got to the edge of the falls the rope would catch <gasps> you know, but, oh, and we'd grab ourselves and pull ourselves back in like looking at it now and thinking back like the, the, it was crazy what we did it, it was dangerous but then i remember the story of these priests they're carrying the ark of the covenant and the jordan river is overflowing and gushing and god says yeah go stand in it it's not until you get both feet wet that then i'm going to stop it and i can only imagine what the priests were thinking they didn't have the ski rope or the life jackets for pr- protection they're getting to the edge of the jordan river thinking like what like okay god like this, this is dangerous. This isn't safe. This is not the easy option. But what God is saying is, but do you trust me? And this is just like what Jesus is calling us to do now with picking up your own cross and following him. He's saying, are, are you willing to get your feet wet? Like, don't just put a toe in. Are you willing to jump in with both feet? Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's not Comfortable, Yeah, it's not always going to be an easy option. But he's inviting us to stop standing by the shore and simply admiring him. He's inviting us to jump in with both feet. And he keeps asking, do you trust me with your life? Mark's first readers literally faced the prospect of death for being Christians. At the very least, they would have been kicked out of the synagogue, removing them from their community, making them social outcasts for being Christ followers. Are you still willing to follow Jesus if it means the threat of death? I don't believe many of us in our current context really have that fear. We we don't fear death for our beliefs, but... We do fear embarrassment for our beliefs. Sometimes it's tough to stick up your neck and, and say what you truly believe or say that you follow Jesus. It, it too may come with this sense of not belonging anymore, but that's what makes us a family. As we gather together as the church, we are the body of Christ. We are a new community living in a new kingdom with Jesus as the world's true king. To pick up your cross means that a complete overhaul is required. We don't simply wave the cross. We carry it. Christianity is a way of life that pushes against the way of the world. And it's this clash, this friction of the two worlds that results in pain and tragedy for those who follow Jesus, not worldly success. You may have seen the Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers, which features pictures of pastors preaching at their churches and a breakdown of the retail value of what they're wearing. No joke, I'm not making this up. There are $3,000 jackets, there are $500 designer t-shirts, there's $1,000 sneakers that were used in an illustration to walk in water. And just last week, there was an $1,100 sweater that the pastor was wearing. And the reason I point this out, which is also the same reason why the Instagram account was made, is that this picture of earthly success is far from the paradigm for discipleship that Jesus lays out for us. Again, some of these things in and of themselves aren't necessarily wrong. But what are we living for? the earthly success? Or are we living with Jesus as the true king of the world? Are we followers of Jesus? Well, why would anyone choose this? Why would someone choose to pick up their cross and follow Jesus? Well, Jesus said that when we finally orient our lives around God, we're like a man finding treasure hidden in a field, And in the parable, the treasure is is found and covered up. Then in his joy, the man goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. You see, when we find something more valuable than anything this world has to offer, the best thing we can possibly do is do whatever it takes to keep it. To, To sell everything we have for that treasure. Giving up your own way, picking up your cross, is not a loss. It's the greatest gain you could ever imagine. It's the most radical yet life-giving invitation you'll ever receive. You want new life? Follow Jesus. Surrender your life to him. He will transform you from the inside out. Jesus wants to blow our minds and wreck our hearts so that he can remake them afresh, so he can make them new. You see, Jesus offers you life and life to the full, but it's up to you. You have to choose to give up your own way. You have to choose to pick up your cross and to follow him. So are you willing to jump in? It's not always gonna be easy. It's gonna require a complete overhaul of your life. But the good news is that when you choose to follow Jesus, you'll receive his Holy Spirit who will help transform you and who will help enable you to experience the deeper life of Jesus. Are you tired? Are you worn out, done with religion? Exhausted from searching for satisfaction and fulfillment everywhere else. Give up your own way. Pick up your cross. And give your life to following Jesus. Next week is Easter. So on Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday service at 10 a.m. on Zoom to remember his sacrifice for us. Then there's the Easter experience that we prepared at the slash Easter experience, which you can walk through at any time between Friday morning and Saturday evening that are going to look at the last seven words of Jesus. And then at our usual time, Saturday at 5 p.m., we will be having our Easter service where we will look at Jesus' third invitation, which is follow me. Let me close in prayer and we'll conclude our service with worship. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so, so much that you have done everything you can to make it possible for us to choose a relationship with you. God, I pray tonight that as we lean into these words to pick up our cross, that you will fill us with your spirit and that you will help enable us to do so. That we won't fear the risk of embarrassment or not belonging or even death but God, that we will jump into this invitation with both feet and say, yes, I am choosing to give my life for Jesus because this is where true life is found. God, for anyone surrendering their life to you this evening, I pray that you stir in their hearts, you awaken them to their surroundings and that you give them the courage to reach out and connect with us so that we can welcome them into your family, into this new family that you are creating with you as the true king of the world. God, continue to fill us all with your spirit and may we continue to reflect on your words as we enter into this Easter season.